It's FAQ NYC Off Cycle. We're the New Yorkers podcast from the newsroom by and for New Yorkers, the city. Steps back to take different and deeper dives into just some of the things that are always happening here in the only place in the world. I'm Harry Siegel, an editor at the city and a co-host of this pod. Also, a lifelong New Yorker, Brooklynite, and bookstore nut. You got to be a little nuts to open a bookstore in Brooklyn these days. I thought about doing it, and my wife said, that's a great project for you and your next wife. So that was that. Then again, on some level, you probably always had to be a little nuts to open a bookstore in New York City. And thank God for nuts and bookstores. So in a bit, you're going to hear from Dimitri of Anyone Comics at Crown Heights, explaining to FAQ NYC co-founder turned Washington Post reporter, boo, Ozzy Pabra, who actually got married at Anyone Comics, why Dimitri decided to open up shop, and how that's gone. But right now, I'm here with Davi Mara and Brianna Parker, who are in the final days of a very successful fundraising drive to get community support and capital to launch The Lofty Pigeon, a new bookstore coming to Kensington, just south of Prospect Park, later this summer. So welcome, Davi and Brianna, and fill listeners in, please, on your story so far. Yeah, so thank you so much for having us. We are in the final days of our Kickstarter campaign, and um, it's been going very well so far. We are at about $75,000 of $100,000, and we're going to immediately start construction and invest all that money into building out the store and stocking it with books. What made you decide to start bookstore in Brooklyn in uh, the year of our Lord or some people's Lord, actually, uh, 2023? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So um, I've been a bookseller for 23 years. I've been doing this for other people that whole time. And for a while now, I've felt like, um, I've, for a while now, I've had a vision of how a bookstore should be run. And I've had the privilege of carrying that out at various iconic bookshops around the country on the West Coast and here in New York. Uh, in New York at the Corner Bookstore on the Upper East Side, they've been there since 1978. And in fact, that's where me and Brianna met. Uh, some time ago (laughs) and during the pandemic really at the height of things in um june or july 2020 as people were fleeing the city we went out we were in brooklyn bridge park we were sitting on a bench and brianna said to me that she was ready ready to start a bookstore ready to make the leap um and and i'll let her explain it but you know she's a born and raised brooklynite and third generation and uh she wanted to she wanted to invest in her borough is that right (laughs) yes yeah i'm i'm a third generation brooklynite and i you know i've kind of had a lifelong dream of opening a bookstore as has davi And, you know, it was something we kind of always talked about. In some ways, it felt like an inevitability since we met working at a bookstore 15 years ago and since Davi's in the bookselling world. But, um, you know, I've been in publishing at the Metropolitan Museum of Art for the last 10 years and had a great 
career there. Um, so it was really that moment in June of 2020 that I decided to throw all that away, throw my lot in with the independent bookstore world. And, um, you know, it was out of a desire to really invest in my community and the place that I've called home my whole life and to be part of the city rebuilding um, in the wake of the pandemic and to really feel connected with community um, and to be embedded directly in the community contributing to it. Where in Brooklyn did you grow up? I grew up in Sheepshead Bay. So you were inspired by all the great bookstores of Sheepshead Bay. I I was always looking for a bookstore when I was a kid. And every time there was an empty storefront, my mom and I would place bets on what was going to open there. And I always said a bookstore and she was just like, oh, honey, oh, you naive child. (laughs) It was always like a 7-Eleven or like a Verizon store. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just been really incredible to, to kind of bring this to the people of Kensington and to see how excited they are and, and kind of live almost vicariously through them, my dream as a child, because they're just like, I've always wanted a bookstore to open here. I always thought a bookstore should open here and I never thought it would happen. And, you know, that's how, how I felt growing up. And, and I'm so excited to like give people that experience. Full disclosure, I live close by. When I was a kid, it was all beeper stores for a minute. Now it's all weed stores. There has not been, until very recently, a bookstore really within walking distance of me in 20 years. Easy walk with the kids. And it's very exciting. uh, And that there's all of this support that seems to be there from, from people who have been contributing, who showed up. An event you had at basically next door bar to uh, where the bookstore will be uh, called the Hinterlands. I was very grumpy about that place when it opened because of the name. Uh, there was also a bakery, Der Pioneer. They're both lovely people, and they put like their life savings into these places, and like it's awesome. But the, the names upset me. I'm like, well, what are these things doing here? They're not discovering this. Church Avenue's been here forever, but that stretch of church has been pretty barren, honestly, uh, commercially. And so having bars and restaurants and wine shop that people go to, and now with bookstores, is very exciting. And you can sort of feel some of that building. My big hope for post-pandemic New York was that there would be a little less office real estate. It looks like there might be a lot less. And that there might be new opportunities for people to get into storefronts, do interesting things with their lives, and not feel like they need to squeeze every last marginal dollar because, uh, you know, how else are you even going to survive here? But, Davi, i got to ask you a question. Just between you, me, and anyone unlucky enough to be listening. So, what are the good bookstores in New York? What are the bad ones? Name names. And additionally, what makes a good bookstore and a bad one? Oh, man, you're putting the flame under me. Um, uh, let's talk about good bookstores. I mean, the corner bookstore. Upper East Side. So I was there for 11 years. And I think you'd be hard pressed to find, first of all, a more beautiful bookstore. Mm-hmm. Um, it was basically built by hand by a craftsman, uh, a very talented craftsman. Um, and uh, in an the old, owner? yeah, who was the owner of the store? And uh, it, it was an old pharmacy 
So think of like the old New York pharmacy with the terrazzo floor and the tin ceiling and the mirror-lined walls. You know, all that was painted over, but the shelving is original and the uh, all this craft work. Anyway, beautiful store. Just aesthetically, you walk into this place and it's beautiful. Your soul's just singing, <laughs> if I may. And um, and so and people uh, staffing the store who really, really know what they're doing and have been there for a very long time. Who else do I like? Unnameable on Vanderbilt. Yes. Uh, really cool shop. They split the store down the middle. Half is used. Half is new. They just moved across the street and uh, have this amazing room full of poetry. I, I doubt there's a better poetry section in New York. Who else, Brianna? Who do we love? <laughs> well, we love our new book-selling neighbor, um, Andrew, at Taylor & Company, who opened on Cortelio. And we are very excited to be not too close, but <laughs> in the same book-selling community as him. And he's just very passionate and um, also has a great poetry section. And... Um, has put together a really sweet shop for the neighborhood. It's nice to see a space big enough for two booksellers, and we're ignoring a third person who's sort of posted up in a bar and is also possibly, <laughs> yes. I wouldn't say for sure, selling weed on the side uh, very <laughs> secretly. Uh, it has some really good books. Um, and it's nice to see. I, I came for the books. And it's like, do you need weed? I was like, not right now, but I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> It's nice to see, uh, you know, an environment where, where it's not like maybe one place can make it. I don't want to get ahead of things, but it seems like there might be space for for different uh, bookstores, for for, uh, for bibliophiles to be in there. Um, the space you're going to be in is pretty big. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that they're also say more about this. There's going to be some plans for events and gatherings because, you know, I mean, I think the pandemic reminded a lot of people like the pleasures of a. Uh, of convening and sometimes convening with, with, with like-minded people who, who, um, you know, enjoy something in common. Yeah. 1000%. I mean, it's absolutely central to our vision for the store as a community gathering space. I mean, I think bookstores, even when they don't have that much space serve that function because there's just a, a beautiful open-mindedness to the people who enter the store and like a, a kinship, an automatic kinship. But um, yeah, we have 1,200 square feet. It's a lot of space for New York. Um, and we plan on hosting all kinds of events all the time. How many books can you fit in 1,200 feet? Sorry, sorry not to get <laughs> no. away from people, but I'm curious. <laughs> I love saying this number. We, um, we're aiming for 5,000. And, um, you know, sometimes it'll be more than that. But uh, 5,000 books across all genres. And and you've been in this business a long time. Uh, I, I, I've talked with, uh, you know, Jim, an uh, unoppressive non-imperialist about, like, the remainders business. Uh, uh, my friend Michael Seidenberg, who passed away, was in the, the used books business. This is going to be, be new books. Um, and can you just explain a little bit for interested readers who shop and browse but don't know, like, how those different businesses work and what distinguishes them and how you make the decision about which part you want to go into. Sure. I know that's in the weeds, but, but as somebody who's just bought books for forever, I've always curious. Yeah. So I've worked in used books before I've bought remainders before. 
And, um, but I would say new books are my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, used books, it's a lot of fun, but the way the inventory exists in the store is different from new books. So books, I think, unique in the retail landscape. Any books you buy from a publisher that do not sell can be returned to mm-hmm. that publisher for full credit. When you're doing used books, obviously, you can't get your money back once you've bought those they don't sell. What do you do? You donate them or you give them away. Remainders also can't return those. You get them at a nice discount and you can sell them at a nice discount. And it's great to have books available at that price point because, you know, the prices of books keep going up and up and they're hard to justify. The books are too damn high. Prices are too damn high. And that's the thing, too, is we don't, you know, Amazon discounts they sell books at, at a loss because mm-hmm. they can't um the the margins on book prices are are probably the lowest in the retail industry mm-hmm. um so you know books independent bookstores will rarely discount books if, you know at most it's five or ten percent um but there that's cutting into you know you discount a book ten percent that's 25 percent of your profit right there in my brain but I have have nerdy friends of different sorts and some of them are really into like complicated games and these games that come in big boxes and they cost like 75 or a hundred dollars. And they're basically just a rule set and some cardboard and nobody in that world cannibalizes the games and just figures out, Hey, I can put this rule set online just as a printout or just make a little script to run it and get rid of that $75 because it would kill the whole thing. And I'm hopeful that not everyone, not even most people, but some reasonably large minority of the population is like, I would prefer to pay $3 more for a book and maybe have to walk a couple of blocks to have a bookstore in my neighborhood and in my universe. And that maybe, maybe that population, maybe I'm just an optimist is growing. Uh, I hope it is. And that they're all going to flock into your store uh-huh, yeah. uh, with the pigeons. I mean, I did write a business plan um, for the store and in my research, they actually found that books are pretty recession-proof and mm-hmm. that they are kind of perennially, people are perennially interested in them because the cost is still good for the amount that you get out of them, just the amount of hours you spend with it versus the cost. Like People do that calculation whether or not they realize it consciously, and it really does come out ahead you know, just in what it adds to your life. Um, so hopefully that will continue. And then certainly, of course, buying it from a bookstore in your neighborhood and having that be a resource and a gathering place adds to that book's value, like you're saying. Yeah, I really do think that's part of the equation is the experience of being in the store and and talking to us and talking to your neighbors. Depends on the neighbor, most certainly, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> or avoiding your neighbors, whatever it is, hiding behind the stacks. So I don't want to take too much time here, but uh, I'd be remiss to let you go without uh, asking about your pigeon. Uh, our pigeon at the city is Nellie, named for Nellie Bowles, the uh, incredible New York journalist who, among other things, got herself locked up in an asylum with the, uh, with the crazy women to show how not crazy they were, which remarkably is not included in Phyllis Chesler's brilliant book, Women in Madness, uh, I just read. It's about 40 years old and, and depressingly 
Jermaine. Um, but tell us about your pigeon. Sure. Um, our pigeon was designed and drawn by our friend Julia, and it is her name is Jenny, and it's named after a special person in our life, Jenny, who was kind of instrumental in helping us get the store started. And that Jenny is very embarrassed that <laughs> our pigeon is named Jenny. Um, but we call her Jenny from the flock, and she she will be with us forever. And Brianna, you've been in publishing, right? And and you work mm -hmm. for other people. I work for other people. I sort of like working for other people. I don't want to deal with all the business shit, uh, <gasps> as the, that's the term. Um, and you know, and then and then they they pay you a salary, and you don't have to think about it. And just say a little about why you decided to make the leap from that into a thing of your own, and all of the um, excitement and uncertainty that comes with that. Sure. Yeah. I, that's a great question because I definitely am wondering the same thing myself. <laughs> I mean, I've really enjoyed, as you said, working for other people for the last 10 years and having um, a lot of comfort and safety in my home at the Met. And I love the people there and I love the retirement benefits and I love the health insurance. And, um, but I could see myself also in 10 years, you know, just being comfortable and not being happy with myself for just prioritizing that or for staying comfortable for so long. And, you know, I think I've, I feel like I've contributed what I can contribute there. I was the chair of a staff advocacy group. I really got very civically involved um, and, and did what I can do. And I, and I think it's time for some fresh perspective and, and faces there and I think it's time for me to kind of take the leap and and know that I didn't just take the easy route. Um, and who knows, you know, I, I've told them in ten years you might see me back here <laughs> hiding under my desk for ten weeks. <laughs> mm. But I'm I mean honestly from the minute I started working on this and from the minute we signed the lease, it's I've just been excited and happy and thrilled. And it doesn't feel like work, which is Oh. scary in a way <laughs> that's a good sort of scary um yeah so we'll close with books uh tolstoy famously asked how much land does a man need um and the answer of course is as much as you're buried in uh at the end but if you ungender the question and ask how many books does a person need there's really no limit everyone should just go and uh, buy more of them and read them and enjoy them and everything will grow and be happier from that. And if people want to participate, who perhaps are in parts of Brooklyn and around or anywhere else, you just want to say where they can find this drive when it's going until and that part. And then when your plan is for opening. Sure. Um, they can find us on loftypigeonbooks.com or at our Instagram or Facebook at Lofty Pigeon Books. And we are planning to open later this summer in August. Um, we'll be starting our construction in June and finishing up in August. We'll have a soft opening, kind of get our feet under us, and then we'll have a big grand opening after Labor Day. Inshallah. <laughs> uh, Brianna, Dabi, thank you both for coming on and joining us. Um, 
The bookstore will be called The Lofty Pigeon. I just want to give a shout out to one other bookstore in a very different uh, register, uh, Big Reuse, which is right next to The Lowe's by the BQE on the Gowanus, which is just a big junk store of the sort you get more of in like post-industrial towns, like around Detroit, just because space is so cheap. And whoever the uh, buyers are there are, are weird geniuses. And it's just a, a wonderful, strange place. And uh, I'm excited to have a book universe that keeps growing and to have Lofty Pigeon joining that. Thank you guys uh, so much and best of luck. Harry, thank you so much. Thank you. And with that picture in words about books, let's go to a conversation about pictures and words in books with Ozzy Pabera talking to Demetrios Fragascados of Anyone Comics. Let's jump right in. So what if we start off with you just sort of introducing yourself, your store, and where it's located? And then I will just start annoyingly uh, pepper you with a couple of questions. Okay. Um, I'm uh, Demetrius Fragascados, owner of Anyone Comics, of which this is a small fraction of the store. And uh, we are in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, uh, at the center of Brooklyn. And how big would you say the store is? And, and what are some of the titles that you that you carry? Uh, it's about, I think, 600 square feet. And our basement is about double that, uh, which we allot for events, such as you've taken advantage of, maybe more than anybody else. <laughs> And uh, office space uh, for studio, uh, studio space for uh, artists and stuff. Um, the titles we carry include uh, such hits as uh, V for Vendetta, uh, The Walking Dead, uh, indie books such as Millennials You Are Special, uh, Sabrina by Nick Dornasso. Um, if there's pictures coinciding with uh, words uh, we carried at the store. That is absolutely amazing. And how long have has Anyone Comics been open? Uh, we opened on March 1st, uh, 2017. So about seven years at this point. Six and a half years, let's say. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, so what sort of led you to want to open a bookstore? Obviously, for, for anyone looking to make oodles of money and become famous <laughs> and popular, bookstore seller... Comic books I, I, may not be high on the list. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I like after doing this for as long as I've been doing this, I, I can't imagine, especially for comic books, I can't imagine there's anyone on any level, whether it's creating or publishing or book selling, that doesn't do it because they love it. You know, um, like it's 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 a punishing, uh, trying. Uh, uh, uphill battle, like there's so many forces working against you, especially in New York City with the rent costs being as high as they are and stuff. Um, but you know, like it's a purpose, it's a calling, it's like it, it's a role that I feel comfortable in, uh, in being in, right? Like, I just I, I know a lot of comics and uh, uh, books, uh, and stuff in general, um, and like most people who work on any of those levels, I want to uh, create create some books and stuff. But like, I recognize at some point that my skill wasn't talking about other books and like 
that there's a gratification in finding the right match, the right personality to the right book that isn't normally exposed. And like, that's just, that's just something. Um, yeah. That like, I just, I, I, when I first started doing it, working uh, for Midtown comics, it was something I recognized I would be happy doing for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? Um, there's some people who seek adventure, who want to be the warriors and the, uh, you know, uh, mages in a quest. I'm uh, happy being the shopkeeper supplying them their uh, weapons or items for that quest, you know? <laughs> uh, how old were you when you got uh, that job at Midtown Comics? And how old were you when you opened Anyone Comics? Let me see. I, it was fresh after Brew College. So I must have been around 22 or 23, I think. Um, and, uh, I'm about to turn 40 this year and, uh, anyone comics was about seven years ago. So 22 or 23 at Midtown and then 33 or 34 at anyone comics. I think this is the part where I say, you know, when I was your age, yeah, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Um, how's it going? It's okay. It's actually funny. Um, um, the pandemic, uh, uh 2020 2021 we saw like a huge um um like call to arms across the board right um the amount of support that we got uh from the government with the ppp loan but from the neighborhood uh just simply who want who were recognizing that stores were closing down unless they supported it and stuff people who maybe were looking for entertainment um while they were uh indoors um we like kind of peaked in 2020 2021 and there was a big drop off uh, in 2022 um a huge adjustment which which uh tragically coincided with me opening a, a second store and just like allocating so many of my resources there man so like holy crap did i like was i optimistic and thinking this was like just such an uphill like never i'm like i'm like Man, if people are supporting the store while they're uh, stuck at home, they're definitely going to support. They're going to remember us when we're, you know, <laughs> back open and stuff, right? But uh, boy, did it did it not work out that way. But um, it's 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 been a pivot. I, it, no, no regrets at any at any sure. point. Like no regrets in opening the second store. Um, no, like uh, I'm not I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not holding anything against anybody. I mean, maybe maybe a little bit of like. Uh, the ridiculous uh, costs uh, rented New York City and stuff once again, but like it, it's it's been a pivot, and so like uh, while while we were riding high and opened up the second store, if, and, and thinking I was at this like level, we kind of went back down to basics in twenty uh, 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 yeah. twenty three, where I'm like, all right, I, I guess this is I'm back to working six days a week here but the difference is hey i have a little bit more support i have a little bit more um networks and stuff i have a little bit more like the world view has expanded um the workload is the is like roughly the same equivalent to like where we're at right now if that makes any sense yes um, <laughs> i have two more questions for you and then i want yeah. to do a quick lightning round to show okay. off your encyclopedic knowledge of comics that I tell oh, no. people that you have that I think they just need to hear uh, to believe. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So um, so what did you wish you learned before you had opened? Or what did you learn along the way yeah. that, that, you, that you wish you knew before day one? 
Um, I, 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 because I was at Midtown Commerce for 12 years and because I was a manager, I think I, for the most part, knew what I was getting into. And what I was getting into was, um, just, uh, uh, again, like a very, uh, uh, like it was, it was going to be a lot of work. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think I learned anything, but I can still pass on some information that a person who doesn't have 12 years experience working comic books can have, which is that like, when you're committing to this path, it's, uh, you know, like say goodbye to your social life. You know, I, I pretty much had a memorial for my social life the weeks before I went, I went to Greece to visit my grandparents at what I thought would be a last time the, the month before I opened up, uh, anyone comics. Um, luckily I got to see them again uh, afterwards uh, a couple of times, but not, 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 I wasn't able to travel freely. Um, but also the other thing I knew was that being a thankless job, you, it's important that whoever Danes open up their own store has a strong support system. That support could come from maybe having some money saved up, uh, you know, some financial security and stuff, but uh, for me, it came from the people around me. Like, you need to buttress your life to, like, go down this path, you know? Um, there's so many forces working against you. Like, I, I knew Amazon was, of course, and uh, just online shopping in general was a big uh, thing working against stores, right? But I also knew that uh, when a person is shopping at your store... It's it's they know about the stuff too. They're, no one's living under a rock, right? So they're actually making a choice for. T so to me, those customers are stronger than the customers that you would have had prior to Amazon. Those are people you can rely on more strongly. And having somebody that you can build your like, I'm not getting millions of dollars for this, but the couple of hundreds I'm getting, I can count on to return for the most part, and I can I I know how to build and what to invest in so like seeing the kind of people and seeing what they're spending money on helps me buy the books that i know they're gonna uh, want but also host events that i know that they're gonna want to see and events that i'm like very happy to host very proud to like be a part of like uh you know like indie comic uh conventions that we're hosting um, including like the upcoming pride one uh where we're having lgbtq creators uh sell their books like yeah like like just just make sure your uh you have uh support behind you and just be ready to do this like like love love books love books so much that you may never enjoy books again but you may but you're gonna pass on that love to other people and that in itself is gratification that is absolutely amazing um <laughs> and, and i think having love for the material is something that that when i first met you immediately came across and and <laughs> Is, is one of the reasons why I keep coming back to you. Um, and the other reason why I keep coming back to you is because you have this in-depth knowledge oh, man. of comics and graphic novels in all its many genres. <laughs> so if you're ready, I would like to... For the lightning like to, round? Lightning round and show off how much you actually know uh, compared <laughs> to me who knows very little. Wait, um, I, got, I, got one, I got one more bit of advice. Uh, sure, yes, for, please. Uh, uh, I actually think... More importantly than loving books, I actually think it's more important that uh, you like people, man. I think I think that's actually the most important thing in having a physical store. I think I think the knowledge that you have in books or comics can be learned, 
But uh, liking people, I think, needs to be uh, something that you have to come to terms with, uh, uh, you know. So, or I, again, or build a store with the kind of people that do love uh, people and stuff, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, go ahead, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna hate this, but go ahead. This is absolutely amazing uh, coming from someone who doesn't know anything about comics or doesn't like talking to people too often. Um, your advice is taken very deeply. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Your knowledge coming to the test. We'll, we'll start easy and get progressively harder. And we'll All right, cool. Five questions. All right. Where is Peter Parker originally from? Forest Hills, Queens. Um, who did Clark Kent work for? Uh, Perry White, The Daily Planet, or uh, are you referring to the Daily Star prior to that in the Golden Age, or are you referring to when he was in the Smallville newspaper for his uh, local high school, or uh, I'm, I'm not sure of Clark Kent's resume. <laughs> the, those all sound correct to me. Okay, okay. What is Wonder Woman's secret power or special power? Well, uh, she's got super strength and flight. She has an invisible plane that isn't her power necessarily. She is a goddess. Um, she has a uh, lasso of truth, but again, that's like a, a equipment, not a power. She could force people to right. confess. Um, is, that, is that the ones that's secret yeah, power? The lasso. That, those all sound correct to me. Um, <laughs> d- delving a little bit deeper, um, she, she, she can't. She can't talk to animals. That's that's a power that's not used uh, uh, present day. But in the uh, in the fifties, that was a thing that she used to do. She also was a martial arts expert. Again, in the seventies, that was important, but not important anymore. Um. What is the name of the yeah. teenager who was elected president in the comic book? Uh, Prez, man. Prez, the first teen president, man. His, <laughs> his name uh, actually led him becoming, inspired him to become president in the 70s, man. And uh, Neil Gaiman was, well, no, people have written him since then. Mark Russell, who I think, Mark Russell is a writer I definitely would recommend you check out more of, actually. But uh, yeah, Neil Gaiman did a famous story in Sandman with uh, Prez. And so, so his name is actually... His name is Pre- I don't Prez Richards, I think is his name, or something like that. That's that sounds good enough to me. Okay. Um, and can you name and the, the the last question, can you name any comics or graphic novels or stories that come no. from the country of Belgium? Oh Lord. Uh wait, where where the where do the hard questions come in? But uh <laughs> Tintin, Tintin, Adventure of Tintin is uh, a a Belgium uh comic. Um, you know, honestly, I don't know past, I, I'm sure I could think of something if I thought hard, I do mix up French names and Belgium names, but Tintin, of course, that's a, that's the most famous one. Asterix, the Smurfs. The oh, Lord. sure. Well, I thought they were French to be perfectly honest. So I, I needed to do a little bit more. We're going to, we're, we're going to count them as, as Belgium. The, the country okay, cool. where, where my wife is from. Um, Very likely. But by, by, by the way, I read that the first zombie virus concept came from the Smurfs, as a matter of fact. In a story called The Purple Smurf, prior to The Purple Smurf, the idea of a zombie was simply a resurrected dead body, right? No, but the idea, the concept of biting somebody and infecting with the virus, that was in the Smurf, Purple Smurf story, where a purple Smurf bites other Smurfs, and they then start to convert into biting purple Smurfs. I can't wait to read that. <laughs> um, and since you are based in Brooklyn, and this is the FAQ NYC podcast based in New York. Can you name 
some of the graphic novels or characters who are based in New York. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, how many? How many do you want? Like twenty, thirty? Let's 30? just do ten. How about that? Okay. I'm not going to count Marvel. So much of Marvel comics is based in New York and stuff. Sure. So I'm going to omit uh, uh, Marvel. But um, from local comics, uh, we have Tales of the Night Watchmen about a uh, Williamsburg-based uh, barista who investigates supernatural phenomenon. Uh, we have um, uh, Post New York, which is a post-apocalyptic uh, New York story. We have uh julia wertz did tenements towers and trash which is uh a like love letter to new york city for sure um i don't know uh, some people may not count as a graphic novel but she's done graphic novels so I, would, I would group it together let me see let me think let me think of dc comics that uh are based out of new york nightwing had a long bout in new york in 2007 he played a cop and stuff he was he was a cop I'm also trying to navigate away from some problematic comics that are based out of New York. Sure. Uh, uh, hold on, hold on. Who else is a New Yorker? Well, again, millennials, you are special. I'm going to cheat and like look uh, uh, sure. on my spinner rack over here. Oh, uh, the Red Hook is based out of New York. It's about a superhero who's, uh, of course, based out of the. Uh... That's six so far. Okay. Uh. Jeez, I, I really don't want to go into the Marvel well, man. That's just, you know. Uh, all right, let me, let me, okay, so. All right, I'll just, I'll just go to Marvel well, just because uh, you have so little time. Uh, uh, Spider-Man's based out of New York. Doctor Strange is based out of Bleecker Street. Um, Luke Cage is based out of Harlem. He's currently the mayor of New York in the status quo of Marvel. Uh, Daredevil's based out of Hell's Kitchen, which is not nearly as uh, awful as, uh, they depict it in the comics. Punisher is mostly based out of Queens uh, after his family's murdered in Central Park. Uh, uh, the Fantastic Four, uh, uh, the thing is from Delancey Street, which is called Yancey Street. Uh, uh, Captain America is from the Lower East Side, and the movie is from Brooklyn, but he's from the Lower East Side in my mind. Uh, we have uh, 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 Alias is based out of New York, uh, starring Jessica Jones. We have. Uh, Storm was born in Harlem and uh, grew up in Cairo and Kenya. And uh, we have, uh, uh, well, Miss Marvel's from New Jersey. Uh, okay. The X-Men are from Westchester. <laughs> that, that is amazing. You have exceeded all expectations. <laughs> um, Dimitri, thank you so very much for opening up your store, for opening up your brain and your heart and your time to anyone who's interested in exploring comics, reading comics, or just looking for a way to learn more about the world around them. Well, th thank you, Ozzy. Thank you for this uh, interview. FAQ. This has been FAQ NYC. We're part of the city, a nonprofit, nonpartisan newsroom dedicated to hard-hitting reporting that serves the people of New York. Our work is freely available to everyone but the city.nyc, and it's supported by listeners and readers like you. Go to the city.nyc slash give if you'd like to pitch in. We're an affiliate of NYU's McSilver Institute for Poverty, Policy, and Research, and we're a proud member of the Brickhouse Cooperative of Independent Journalists, Critics, and Artists. Find it all at popular.com. Our hosts this week were Ozzy Pebra and me, Harry Siegel. I'm also the Pods executive producer. 
Our engineer is the inimitable Adam Kamara. And special thank you to our guests, Davi Mara and Brianna Parker of Lofty Pigeon Books. Coming soon to Church Avenue and whose Kickstarter is in effect through the Tuesday after Memorial Day, if you'd like to pitch in. And to Dimitri Vargasgados of Anyone Comics in Crown Heights, as well as Everyone Comics in Long Island City. And as ever, thank you, listener, for joining us and making it this far. Be kind, be cool, and we'll be back soon with more.